Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. What? What's that about this last night? And he said happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped. And today I am joined by a guest on the other side of this egg-shaped planet. And I am delighted that he's made some time to have a chat to me. When we started talking about the podcast and I made that list, there was a lot of big names on it. Names at the forefront of things that happen in world rugby. And this guy was also on it. Not known to many of you, but known to me because I love his story. He's a man from Scotland who had had a crack at rugby here and decided, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else. He's been to Australia and played, he came back, and he's now in a bit of the country in New Zealand that I absolutely love. He's in the Waikato. I'm going to get misty-eyed here, and I'm going to start telling you stories about when I was a lad and I played in Hamilton. This guy is carving it up at MPC level, which is what it was called when I was a lad, and I'm sticking to MPC He's in a bit of a lockdown at the moment because New Zealand are uh, a little bit twitchy about some cases that have just perked up. So he's pleased to speak to somebody and he's landed with me. So without any further ado, I'm bringing in the one and the only Mr. Hamilton Burr. Hello, sir. Hello, slightly flattering that um, introduction there, but thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I love the story. So you, you're repping your Hautapu kit. So give a shout out to the club. Why are you at Hautapu? Um, I don't know what my house have actually. It was kind of one of those things, kind of sent sent my CV across a lot of different rugby clubs in the area and around New Zealand, and they got back in touch and did a little bit of research and thought, oh, I'll go somewhere that no one else really has been. So, um, 
yeah, kind of headed across this direction, got in touch with the club, and they sort of everything else from there. But it turns out uh, a guy that used to play up in Aberdeen, once I said I was going to how tap, got in touch, guy Greg Ryan. Uh, oh, he got in yeah. touch. So he, yeah, he, he's actually got a bit of a legacy from living here, and his uncle, um, Kev Wynes, has actually got a bit of a legacy from just visiting across here. So um, they're both well, well known at how tap. So wasn't the first Scottish person here, but so they had to contain the legacy that they left behind from it. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, I hope you didn't put that on the CV because they probably would have rejected you straight up. Greg Ryan and Kev Wynas are quite a double act. Yeah, 100%. They're definitely known for their exploits off the rugby pitch as opposed to them on the rugby pitch. <laughs> Big issue around that bit. <laughs> yeah, I know them both well. Rugby is a yeah. village after all. So, How Tapu, and there's some pretty decent players are coming out of How Tapu, and one of them's just come back for a bit of a game in the back row. Yeah, um, Old Hunger or Lee Messam, he's popped back now. So, um, Nah, it's real. I think it's real cool to see um, all blacks or past all blacks come back and still play club rugby. I think it's just phenomenal to see. Even then, there's a guy playing for Marist who's got um, an unbelievable number of caps as well, and they'll pop back down. And Atim Molly was playing Division One rugby this year because um, his team got relegated for the playoffs. So uh, they're all around the place. And even um, at Hotel, there's a lot of young Super Rugby players will come back playing, even experience. So guys like um, Lachlan McConnell, uh, Simon Parker, Ollie Norris. Uh, there's a heap of them that all go up. Bradley Slater plays the Chiefs on a regular basis. Um, there's a lot of very good players kind of floating about club rugby in, in uh, Hamilton. So it's quite a good standard of rugby, to be honest. Yeah, it is a good standard of rugby. And being yeah. being in Scotland, and you, you played professional rugby, so you've rubbed shoulders with internationals, but there's, there's still an aura about an all-black, isn't there? I mean, Liam Messam is just an awesome, so highly respected player. What's it like yeah. being with somebody like that? Um, I'm not going to rub him up too much because he's kind of my teammate, so um, <laughs> he just gets out. But um, no, he's like, even him, like him, Adam Thompson, he's kind of our line out coach at the moment at Waikato, and um, both real well known um, all blacks. And just you just learn something off them all, all the time, be it um, tech tech stuff, which they pick up anyway, just playing alongside them, or it's more just about how they go about the business, like the especially Adam last year um, um, is off. Off-field behaviors are just unbelievably professional. Liam, I mean, he's 37 and still like runs his carcass around the place. He looks after his body to no avail, and he knows exactly what's right for his body. And he'll do it, and he'll make sure he's doing it right. So they're both just unbelievable blokes. And um, I think one thing having met other All Blacks as well is um, they always put the team first. Um, I think was like oh, fortunate enough to play with uh, David McKenzie and Anton last year, and they both like. Out and out, put Waikato first. I think they had the All Blacks seriously afterwards. But for the two weeks they were with us, it was all Waikato. There was no other kind of focus around it. And um, they weren't kind of too big for their boots there. And yeah, got stuck in, elbows deep, and got involved with every part of the team, which is kind of what you want to see in all regards. It, it must just be awesome. I'm still a wee boy at heart. So hearing those names, I'm massively jealous. One of the things you mentioned there and in the reading that I've done about you, believe it or not, I do do some research. You mentioned learning quite a lot. Yeah. Is that something that you've picked up in New Zealand? Is that something you've always done? Who is it that role modeled that for you? Um, probably, I think sounds very corny here, but probably my parents, to be honest. I think, um, Parents a bit of myself, I think I came quite late to rugby, so I didn't start playing until I was 13 or so, um, pretty much secondary school. Um, I think I played one um, one micro tournament when I was in primary seven down in Mackey or a couple. I think we put up Mackey um, Academy, which we actually won the the Shield there, believe it or not. And then I think we played one out in Bankery, 
the D side tournament, which we did definitely did not win. I think we lost that convincingly. So, but too many tours. Like, oh, this is quite cool. So, play alongside football, and then um, yeah, just kind of grew grew a love of it. So I kind of had to learn. Like there was no, well, you kind of have to learn from somewhere. So I was already kind of behind players, kind of forced myself to learn. And I think even remember um, coming up through school. I think I was told at one point I was too slow to be a back row. So kind of told them politely to go somewhere else, and then um, kind of worked on my speed all summer and. Kind of just constantly learning, trying to develop my game in different ways. And um, I think even now, I think I've still got a list of things I want to be better at um, as a back rower and a second rower. So I think even now, it's like, especially like so Adam Thompson and Liam there, and even guys who have played a lot of minutes of pretty decent rugby, like Mitch Jacobson, who I play with, there's a lot, a lot to learn off of. So it's just about kind of picking their brains about what they do and trying to get better each session. So uh, yeah, like it's just a constant kind of learning experience on the pitch. There's not one time you step away and think, oh, I didn't learn anything today. And is that, is that when it started so early, was that with the ambition that I'm going to be a professional or was it just I wanted to be better? Uh, I think I still want to be better. I think I think I'm most upset I've been with non-selections when I didn't make the under-15 Aberdeen Hurricanes. I think that's the most upset I've ever been. So um, um, I think it's kind of been probably the same of it from that in terms of how I've always wanted to make like the next step. So I think I'm not satisfied until I've kind of made that jump and kind of reached my goal. But I think as soon as I kind of reached a goal, like I want to kind of hit the next thing. Um, it kind of progressed. It's kind of like a never-ending journey. It's not a, I've made it, feet up, relax now. It's kind of um, put the foot down and try to develop a bit more, try to catch the guys that are in front of you. So, yeah, it's kind of a never-ending cycle of kind of trying to learn and try to pick up something new or pick someone else's brain or go for another cough with them. So, yeah, it's not so bad. So it sounds like you've got different types of motivation, not being selected or being told you're not fast enough, right? I'm going to go and work at that. But it also yeah. sounds like you've just got the, I want to get better. Are you are you able to look with some satisfaction at some of the things that you've done or are you still looking forward and there will be another time to reflect? Um, good question. A uh, bit of both, to be honest. I think I'm someone that um, I'm very... I'm pretty stubborn, so if someone says I can't do something, I'll generally do it to get lost. So um, um, there's that aspect, but I think I'm quite a reflective person anyway, so I do look back at things and think that was a job well done, but I don't sit there and think, oh, that was that was unreal, and just sit and reflect. I'll think that was really well done and kind of move on and look to the next thing. I think you kind of have to sit there and kind of enjoy the moment. I think I probably learned that the most kind of in New Zealand, that there's no point kind of being too focused on what's ahead, just kind of enjoy the here and now and, celebrate the victories and um, and then start looking forward after then review it however you need to um, take your lessons from whatever it was be it at club rugby or um, during training or playing at NBC um, and they kind of move on from there and yeah you can it's important to reflect and say that's a job well done but there's always learners to take from it and to kind of move on from there and I think New Zealand's kind of taught that the best way to be honest so we're pretty chilled out over here. And you've come quite a long way from that position you were in in Aberdeen now lots of people might not think there's a lot of rugby in Aberdeen but people like us who are in and around know that there's yeah. a lot of rugby in Aberdeen and it and it maybe doesn't get highlighted as much as certainly guys like yeah. Kev Wynas would would want it to where was your role models or inspirations in and around Aberdeen for rugby um so I started rugby through it was like an after school taster club um, so I went up to local high school, Hazelhead Academy. Um, went up there for a taster session. and went like, for four weeks. And there was a guy, Colin Phillips, that was running it. And was a development officer. And CP used to be at, well, 
he was actually my academy manager or coach towards the end. He had like short hair, it was like real formal, but back when he was in a DO, he had a long ass mullet, short, stocky winger. I actually remember when I was there, I was like doing a little bit of reading about rugby when I was that age, and I actually asked him if he was a prop, so he's slightly offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I kind of looked an after school session and gave it a try because there's an I have an uncle in my family that played rugby, but my parents didn't play, my grandparents didn't play, so um, just thought I'd give it a shot, see what it's like, watched a bit of the TV, I think went to one game of Murrayfield, my uncle, and I'll give it a little shot. Um, tried it and really like really enjoyed the taster sessions. The next step was to go to like, Aberdeen Wanderers, so a small little um, club in Aberdeen, and Jason White's from there, so it's got a bit of pedigree, but um, yeah, tiny little club, only a couple hundred um, youth players, and a tiny little adult section, so just kind of started playing there and um, loved it. Just loved playing the game, to be honest, and making new friends and enjoying it. But I even remember back then, like Aberdeen Wanderers senior section, I think the highest level we've been to is Cali Division One, so not a high level, but I still looked up to the seniors and kind of wanted to be that. Um, so I think just kind of trained away, thinking one day I'll, I'll play for Aberdeen Wanderers and think that'd be like unreal to play for Wanderers first. Um, and yeah, just kind of ticked away, and I think my dad's always been a big driver to kind of enjoy what I was doing. And oh, uh, you always said the only guy where you put in, so kind of put 100 into it, and kind of see what came of it. Really, didn't really focus too far ahead. Let's just try to make Aberdeen Wanderers first team. I absolutely love that. That yeah. your ambition was the club first 15, because there won't be many kids coming into the game where that's what they want to do. It will be professional contract play for scotland play for the british lions in this little time where it's been advertised so i love to hear that you wanted to play in the club so the club how much do you still have to do with the club do you get messages from them are you keeping an eye on their social media yeah yeah no i follow them all through social media i think they um they still reach out now and again and have a chat or um mention me in social media somewhere or uh, say congratulations but I think they're a small club that's growing and I think it's always good to see more people taking it up in Aberdeen because Aberdeen's football, football dominated, even though there's a big kind of or a growing rugby base, it's still pretty small. There's no like kind of development works as people just coming to the club and trying it. Um, so it's good to see rugby's growing, but um, yeah, like Wanderers definitely a healthy club and I want so much to thank for just getting me into rugby and enjoying it in every way possible. And I think even then, I think my first senior experiences of rugby were all playing for Wanderers when I was oh, probably a bit young. Uh, and, I think 16, 17, but I just loved every second. I think my first game was against uh, Murray away. Um, it was I was off school for the weekend and they said, oh, do you want a game? Like, yeah. So I brought my boots and kind of jumped in and played against some men. And I remember, you know, oh, that, was, that was a huge step up rugby-wise. I was like, that was ridiculous. Um, playing against grown men, but then I enjoyed it. And then I think the next pre-season I played against uh, Mackie FPs. I was about 17 and oh, I think I mucked up a... Older player, but too much. It was probably a bit chirpy for my age, and yeah, he certainly gave me a shoe in after that. So, um, and you just learn so much from just playing either rugby as a young fella. I think I loved it. Like, I loved the Rowdy Wanderers, and then uh, kind of moved on from there. So, I loved every second of it, to be honest. And was that just playing for fun and because it was the next thing to do? Yeah, I think it was just. It wasn't part of a grand plan. No, it wasn't. Like, I think everyone, everyone dreams to either play pro rugby or national rugby. I think that's every, every person that, even if you're still playing adult rugby at age 43 for, um, well, I'm not going to disrespect any clubs here, but for a Cali Division 4 side, so a tiny little club in Aberdeen, you still aspire to play for Scotland, so I think, or 
for a pro contract. So I think it's there, but you just have to kind of enjoy that that next step up. And for me, that was like playing for Aberdeen Wanderers or playing for next step up would be Aberdeen Grammar and kind of working my way up the tree that way. So I think you just kind of got to enjoy enjoy the journey more than anything. So enjoying the little steps and the little victories. So yeah. so not not coming from a, a necessarily a rugby family. Yeah. When you then were asked to go and do the next thing, how how did they support? Were they just yeah, go for it. If if you're happy, we're happy. Yeah, no, they've always been um yeah, always very supportive. I've never had kinda never had a bad thing to say around that. I think even I moved to school when I was sixteen, uh, got a scholarship to go to um, Gordonston. So um again, both um were very supportive for me to go do it and no holds barred. They just kinda asked if I'm sure I wanted it's what I wanted and as soon as I'd yes and go for it. And then um some are coming to New Zealand, like even though I haven't seen them since um uh, April 2019, they're both very supportive of what both me and my partner are doing over here um, and kind of whatever our next steps will be, um, yeah, full support. I know I've got the full support, so it's great to be in a family environment like that. So, yeah, they've always kind of pushed me to give it give it a crack and see what happens, really. It's the worst that can happen. So, you, you've never you've, you've never been scared to, I hate the phrase, but you've never been scared to get out of your comfort zone at 16 no. to, I mean, that that must have been like going to another universe. Oh yeah, um, I think I was um, I was just at state school in Aberdeen at Hazelhead Academy, as I said. Um, I think there was only three of us that played rugby at the whole school, so there wasn't many of us at all. And then um, yeah, just all of a sudden, uh, I was actually through the um, fire service, got a scholarship, so um, moved up there for two years, and yeah, loved it, absolutely loved it. I think it was just something new, something new to try, and loved every second of it. So yeah, I think I just love new. Of experiencing new people and new experiences, so it's just kind of kind of up my alley. And rugby's given you that chance. If you were asked to go back to that high school and and give a talk, it sounds like it they wouldn't they wouldn't care that you played for Waikato because it wouldn't really register with them. So what would what would be your theme to kids now about your life experience so far? Um, only 25, not that old yet. <laughs> There's a life experience. Um, you've had you've had plenty. Yeah. Um I'll probably stuck around and just kinda don't don't say no to opportunities. I think as soon as you've got an opportunity, just say yes to it. I mean, you've just got to think what what is the worst that could possibly happen. I think nine if you think by the worst case scenario, it's not actually that bad in the grand scheme of things. So I think it's just kind of throwing yourself in the deep end and you'll know, very rarely drown and yeah, there's always ways to kind of save yourself. So just throw yourself in there and kind of go for it like there's no point saying no to something and i always think about if i was to sit back in this situation in 10 years time would i regret not doing it i think that's always and correcting you as well i think that was kind of last question my dad asked was if you said if you, if you asked yourself in 10 years time do you want to come out to new zealand and i said actually no i'm going to sit around here static um he says would you regret it and i think oh that's a question for me would be yes so um that's kind of why i jumped at it so i always kind of say Yes, the scenarios if you know down your guts the right thing to do. So, yeah, that's kind of a long-winded way to say what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's lots of messages in there. I think you're an amazing role model. As you're getting towards the end of school, people tend to be right. What university am I going to? Uh, what course am I going to do? Maybe what does sport have alongside that? What what processes were you going through as you're approaching the end of school? Um. Plan A was to go to university, but that went horribly wrong. So um, plan B was not to go to university. Um, so I think I 
<laughs> so I got halfway through year, well, finished year 12, kind of failed all my exams. And then I was like, right, maybe university is not potentially the first option here because I think it meant I had a, a what you'd say, a, a lot of exams in my final year. So I um, um, started looking at gap year options because I didn't really know what I wanted to do at university. Um, instead of just kind of going to uni for the sake of going to uni, I thought I'll go take a gap year somewhere. So kind of applied to a school in Melbourne, Scotch College. Um, so it's a big... I only found out once I got there, actually, this is how much research I did. Kind of found out that there's hardly any rugby union played in Melbourne. It's all Aussie rules. I always just played Aussie rules for a year. Um, but then, yeah, so I applied to school through contacts of the school. I uh, got in touch, sorted all that out. So kind of then set on going to Australia. So I was like, oh, sweet. So kind of finished my school year, didn't think too much about it. Um, failed all my exams that year again. So the <laughs> university was definitely off the cards. Um, so yeah, went off to Australia, spent a year there, uh, and coached quite a lot because I was at the school, so I was involved with like, PE lessons, just general gap shooting at the school, so mucked around quite a lot, believe it or not, we had quite a lax gap system, so I had every evening off, and imagine when you get to Melbourne every evening, and then, um, so I didn't, arrived in August, and the rugby season didn't start till, um, when was it? March, so I had a bit of waiting around to do before I started, so... I kind of twiddled my thumbs for six months, well, a few months, and then um, trialed with the Melbourne Rebels under 20s in about November time. Um, managed to get dropped from that after the first trial, actually. So that was a great start. And then got called up a week later, someone else dropped out. So I was the guy that made the coffee, the guy that made the teas. Um, <laughs> so I got called up a week later um, as this tiny little, like, on, I think I was 95 kilos at the time as a forward. And, uh, Melbourne's got a big Polynesian community and so the size of some of these forwards was honestly like men and in the gym with them and they were pushing 10 I can see pushed to NBC level now and I was kind of loading up the bar with two five little plates and hoping um, so yeah it was a bit of a baptism of fire to be honest and I've never trained at that level um, so yeah got stuck into it did the first three weeks managed to survive <laughs> Um, in Australian summer pre-season which was horrific and then had the Christmas break um, we came back and got stuck into it and we had a couple of full contact sessions against the um, actual Rebels so as much as the Rebels aren't too good um, yeah I think as an 18 year old I think I was bricking it to say the least um, so yeah it was another real deep end moment and played a little tournament with them and then just got stuck into club rugby so I just played um, yeah, Colt, like Colt so um under 20s rugby there. Um, loved it, loved every second. Like, it's exactly what um, coach rugby is. is like, you played the Saturday, went out Saturday night, went out Tuesday night, went out Thursday night, and just like, loved every second of being with the boys. And it was like, great fun. I like, absolutely loved playing like, under 20s rugby. And kind of, we trained hard, but play, played really hard. So, um, no, it was real good. Like, loved it. And I got a taste of playing like seconds club rugby there when, for me at the time, that was massive. Like, the bigger men got even bigger. And yeah, just. Loved it and like, like really relished the chance to kind of play for my club with that or Melbourne Harlequins relished that chance to play for them there and yeah, kind of moved on from there. And I think a Rebels coach was actually saying in the chat to include a coaching course at the end of the year said, oh, we were actually going to cut you again after your first week training, you were that bad. So um, yeah, that's just survived. So <laughs> kind of hanging there by my claws. I know you know the Nick Henderson, she's got a couple of Wallabies caps as well. So yeah, you kind of, you probably had a bit of an influence for me to kind of continue rugby since you're, um, probably got something there so you need to develop it but you're certainly coachable and got a bit of resilience behind you so you just crack on so got a bit to go to him as well to be honest 
The guy that made the tea must have loved the coffee you were making. Oh, must have loved it. Must have loved it. He wasn't there anymore, and I've kind of taken over. So, <laughs> I love that phrase. That is an absolute belter. And it, it, I can, I can see that you've done a coaching course. I can, I get the feeling you've mentioned learning a lot. You love it. You're obviously a passionate guy about what you do. Yeah. Is coaching something in the far off distance that you would like to do? Yeah, yeah, I'll do quite a bit of coaching now. So I um, did an HND in coaching back home at college, um, at two colleges actually, uh, um, uh, North East Scotland College, did my HNC and did my HND down at uh, New College Lanarkshire, so when I was with the academy down there. Uh, so finished that and yeah, I've just been like, enthralled coach ever since. Coached a lot with Stirling County um, when I was there. Um, heaps actually ended up doing a bit of development work with them. And then over here, um, done a fair bit of coach education and um, coached a couple of teams as well so no I absolutely love coaching I think even though it's still a rugby base it's a bit of a release from rugby for me believe it or not and I think I love kind of working with people and seeing them get better and develop so I think it's like real cool I can think for playing as well it helps a lot so yeah no I love it absolutely love it so now now as a player are you are you looking at the game differently yeah yeah um yeah definitely I think it's Especially kind of within environments, you always think about how you would potentially do it better or how, how it can be improved. And if it's a good job, oh, it's a real good job. You kind of steal ideas. Um, even though you shouldn't copy and paste things because um, it doesn't really work for all teams. Um, you do kind of pick up things you quite like the idea of and kind of run with them yourself. So, no, I certainly love it. You can ask other guys um, what they think of certain people. And I think everyone here is actually quite open. So you can have a chat about, um, I've been lucky enough on my level three course. Last year, Warren Gatlin came in and spoke and stuff. So, like to be exposed to kind of coach of that caliber and kind of their thought process is is quite cool. So, yeah. And you mentioned learning again, and you can I can just see it. I'm I'm still not sure you're only 25. The way you're talking yeah. and the the view you've yeah. got, but that that comes from this experience that you've got now. No, it sounds like so far we've spoken about and you've mentioned you've loved this and you did that and you got involved, but there's been some there's been some bumps along the way it sounds like so far any time you've spoken about oh, i got cut from that or i've missed out on that you've bounced back pretty quickly and, and with lots of enthusiasm but you, the reason you ended up in new zealand was you kind of felt you you i don't know maybe hit a glass ceiling here would that be would that be fair yeah i think yeah that's probably a good way to describe it i think um i think i finished my year with glasgow and kind of told there was nothing nothing waiting for me and i'd kind of outgrown what the academy could provide so it's a case of waiting for a pro contract to come up so put a year club and as much as i love still i wasn't going to provide me a platform um to boost up um so i thought right i'm not kind of i don't want to kind of end it on that no i want to go to crack somewhere else and if that doesn't work out then i can say i've kind of tried all my avenues and i can call it a day um so yeah um, it wasn't easy kind of being cut from the academy but the brutality of pro sport is um yeah you're not likely to get a pro contract at the end of the day i think there's a lot of guys i've played with that were in the academy don't make it and i think um and yeah, i think the way i describe young players as well is it's, at the end of the day it's a matter of someone's opinion of you like it's not that's the thing about our sport is someone can have one opinion of you and so it can have a completely different opinion um so yeah just kind of um call it a day and thought we'll try someone new and head across here um and yeah, even you know, um, Scotland twenties level got cut, got cut after the first camp uh, by my academy manager two years later. So it's an opinion you at the time. So um, 
yeah, it's kind of about not dwelling on it. Uh, if you dwell on it, then you're just kind of making an excuse or not an excuse. You're kind of being the victim of it. So you may as well just run with it and get better and don't get lost and that you were right in the first place. So again, it comes back to me a bit stubborn, a bit kind of resilient to all. And that's, and I'm not sure if it's stubborn. I think resilient, I get, but that's quite a mature perspective, I would have said. There will be a lot yeah. of players who are doing things because they want that person's opinion to be positive of them. So yeah. I'm trying to figure, where was it just about you? So I'm going to be the best I can be. If that's not good enough for them, then I'll I'll go somewhere, yeah. maybe where I'm appreciated. Would that be? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah nah, I think I've probably learned to care less over here in terms of what kind of coaches think about me because I think I, I do believe I took it quite personal when I was a bit younger. Um, I think that just comes with getting older. It just comes with age. But I think it's always been, I want to be better and um, you want to be part of a team, you want to be giving it your all. And if you're not involved with it, then it's kind of probably time to move on and try to find somewhere you are appreciated. Um, or not appreciated, that's not the word. Um, and kind of valued. That you can feel you can add something to the team. Um, so yeah, it's just, and again, the brutality of pro sport is there might be someone above you that is better and they might prefer them. So it's not it's not in your control, it's not in your hands in any way. So you've kind of got hope when you perform, perform at your best and that's, that's good enough for you to get a crack at the starting jersey or within the squad or within the slightly extended squad. So, but yeah, it's kind of... You've, you've 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 been in Kiwi a long time because you just, you started that off with yeah nah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, you uh yeah, you start over here because I think if you're working on a farm heaps and they say it and I actually walk away confused with what I'm meant to be doing half the time. So um, are, <laughs> Yeah, nah. Yeah, I love that. So the I'm I'm interested in the in the parents' impact on that because there'll be a lot of rugby kids in academies at the moment it's boys because there's not too many uh, girls in an academy type structure it's beginning to happen now but there will be a lot of a lot of kids in an academy who have a parent or parents who who know the system who were involved in rugby and were probably comparing you to somebody else and through those road tinted specs thought no my boy's better than them was it quite good having parents that maybe didn't know a huge amount about it and they just supported you yeah um 100 i think they were always i think even when i was up at gornston i think um i would come down on saturday we'd go down to cali training in cooper on the sunday so they would drive me down drive me back up and i'd get the train back up to elgin on the, the sunday night for school monday um, so yeah they've always been real supportive and i think it is it is good in a way i think my dad actually ended up coaching rugby and ended up coaching wonder seniors for someone that's never played before um and I'm getting real involved and I ended up doing a bit of coach ed as well. So I don't know how on earth he's done that, but um, he just got real involved and ended up learning heaps. But he never he never said he knew more or he never kind of imposed what he thought. If there was something I was doing wrong as a person, he would speak to me about it. Um, but he would never challenge my playing or um, kind of any of that kind of stuff. And he would just kind of ask how I felt about it. And... Uh, we talk about it because, of course, he's got experience as well. I'm not saying that I know it all, sharp dad. Um, we kind of talk it out and, yeah, just kind of have an open conversation as opposed to getting told things because I think getting told things isn't really the way to do it. And most people kind of put up a wall and tell you to get lost. You tell them to do things. So we said open conversations and, and, yeah, it was a very open kind of relationship. He kind of was pretty relaxed and just said, as long as you kind of try your hardest, and then, oh, everyone will be pretty happy. You'll be happy. and. We'll both be quite happy as well. So, yeah. 
so you then start to look further afield and obviously you find yourself in Waikato now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think I read that Dave Rennie gave you a bit of advice on, on where to go and what to do next. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I spoke to Rennie's probably the November before it was going to come out when I had to kind of make a decision which club I was going to come to. Um, so I had a couple in Christchurch. Um, I only had one here, Howtap, and then a couple in Auckland. So kind of had a chat to him. I think his parting words were, oh, you just, I just wasn't a good enough attacker. And that's why I kind of got um, dropped. Well, not dropped, but didn't get re-signed with the academy or with um, Glasgow. So I thought, right. And he goes around to develop my attack. And he said, Auckland is a lot of um, huge people running at huge people is not much it's free flowing like New Zealand is quite running rugby but he says in terms of what you need to develop probably not because it gets quite just one up running um, you go to Christchurch and he says it's not too dissimilar to Northern Hemisphere it's more open but it's a lot of set piece kind of stuff and um, a lot more direct and he said Waikato's probably got um, a decent enough blend um, whereas it's got some very free flowing rugby but it's also quite um, physical and it's probably the way to describe it. it's physical rugby at club here um, but it's very open rugby so kind of made my decision based on that and came here and I think the other part of the decision was not to make it easier for myself but Auckland's got a population of one million for um, two MPC teams or maybe three if you count counties um, so a lot of the chances there probably weren't as much and North Harbour and counties are actually different regions to Auckland so I've had to jump regions um, and then Christchurch they, they get guys in the academy very young and combined with Tasman as an academy so it's kind of jump into a slot there would be very difficult unless you played absolutely out your skin, um, outstandingly. So I thought, right, Waikato's probably, he said, Waikato's probably the best shout. He'll select through club rugby as well. So came here, um, started playing away, um, played a pre-season game down in Rotorua, which is where all the geothermal stuff is in New Zealand. So played right next to a thermal spring, which is pumping out sulfur. <laughs> um, and that was like week one in New Zealand. I think it was about 25 degrees, like pumping out sulfur. I think. Me and this Irish guy was about thrown up at the side of the pit because it absolutely stunk. Um, that was the club called, it's, it's actually the abbreviated version of the club. They're called Fucker Witter Witter. And there's not like 20 letters after that, that name. Um, I can't pronounce it. It would be a disservice to say it. Um, and unbelievable club, like huge tradition around it. And I think they were fortunately lost two people in a car crash that, that week or had an accident. And then um, the clubhouse after the game, I think um, they're a very Maori based club and they're a huge hacker. And then, um, Pofri as well, which is like a Maori kind of hymn or song. So that was like straight after game one. And honestly, that experience in New Zealand was like something completely different. And then, um, so we kind of experienced New Zealand rugby straight away. 
played a couple of pre-seasons and then game two here managed to um, subluxed my shoulder so I was out for the next uh, nine weeks so I didn't play most all for the second round of club rugby and um, kind of nagged my way into the Waikato development team and then um, yeah really nagged my way in kind of got my way in there and um, yeah kind of performed a lot of training and got a shot at pre-season game against Hawks Bay and then got a second shot and someone got injured and then kind of made my debut for a camp right after that so it's kind of by coincidence and kind of nagging people at the same time so yeah, um, yeah, kind of thankful for that. To be honest, really thankful for our kettle for everything. <laughs> you, you've got an amazing persistence about your personality. The some of the stuff you described there. I went to New Zealand. I'm telling you this off off screen. I went to New Zealand when I was 19 and played for Tarapa and Hamilton and learned so much about the game, but also a culture I knew nothing really about other than watching the All Blacks on TV. So you arrive and there's then a haka and there's the tradition that goes with it. And club rugby in New Zealand is the same as it is everywhere, but it then has cultural, regional traits to it. Yeah. At, any, at any point when you first arrived, were you pinching yourself going, I, I can't believe I'm here or this is so different or were you quite relaxed about it? Um. Yeah, I think, I think culture-wise, everyone here is honestly horizontal about getting things done. So even when I arrived, it was um, they, didn't, they didn't have a job for me yet. So it was like rocked up, and they're like, "Oh, you've got don't, we don't have anything for you yet, pretty much." They said they'll get everything organised. Stayed a, an old fella and his partner, or Jake and Jude Mullen, who are like fantastic people, absolute love them to bits. Over like a surrogate grandparents over here, so stayed at theirs for a, a couple of weeks. And he honestly drove me around, got me a bank account, got me well, got me a phone. Like organized a flat for me to go stay in with another bunch of lads. Then organized me to go get a car with another old fella. And then he's like, oh, finally got a job for you. And it was like a horse stud farm. I've never worked on a farm in my life. Never mind the horses. So he kind of chopped me there. And this is kind of like key ways it goes. He's like, oh, you got a job interview for it. I was like, all right, sweet. I'll go to the job interview. I don't know what they were going to interview me about. Literally walked down the drive. They said, oh, how's it going, mate? And this guy, Mark, was like, oh, it's guy, Mike. So said hello, and he's like, oh, we'll make sure you didn't have tattoos and everything. So yeah, you got the job, and that was it. What's back? So um, I just couldn't believe how relaxed everything was over here. Um, even today, I think it does dry up the wall a bit when you need something done a bit more urgently. And oh, yeah, nah, she'll be right, eh? We'll just get it done at some point in the next 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, no, it's just unbelievably chilled out over here. Even then, even training wise, I think. Uh, I've been fortunate how tap has been a very strong club for the last few seasons. The first two seasons we won, but club training is honestly the most horizontal experience. Like, I think pre-season we run heaps, but yeah, we just run heaps and then end up having beers afterwards. And then even at, um, even during season, our Thursdays, like little team run, 15 on 15, half an hour lineouts, nothing live, no contact, no contact to training, and then done, chips and aim. Then have some food afterwards and go home from there and play at the weekend, real physical rugby, and roll up again on Thursday. So, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and is that a deliberate ploy to make it a bit more player led, or is that just how it goes? I think how tap is probably different because we've got very, very knowledgeable players within how tap, so it can be very player led. But um, just kind of, I think it's kind of like a Kiwi thing. It's just kind of rock up, throw the ball around, touch for a warm up. Um, and go to the units and yeah it's all very much just kind of attack 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 and maybe a bit of defensive structure stuff but not too much and then I was kind of 
everyone says up like honestly but most used phrase over here is play heads up rugby so play the structure and then if it gets the broken play just go for it like back yourself um even at npc level like we have a structure to play to but again if we make a line break literally structure goes flying out the nearest window gets like trampled on and everyone starts running at holes and you just hope you find a hole and not something to run at so um yeah, no, it's pretty cool like that, to be honest. And that's probably, probably why it's the biggest shift over here. It's just, I'll oh, just kind of play what's in front, don't bother too much about it and see what comes of it. And some of that comes from the Kiwi culture that they've been playing in their bare feet since they were five years old and they're, they're used to playing with the ball. Are there things that you look at and you think, why are we not doing that in Scotland or the UK? Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. I think... Kids over here grow up with a rugby ball, so they're a lot more kind of naturally attuned to it. But I think at the same time, I think New Zealand rugby is actually looking a lot at how Scottish rugby are developing coaches at the moment and how uh, the RFU are. I think um, SRU and RFU are probably ahead of where New Zealand rugby is at this time. Um, I think I'd probably argue the standard of coaching potential is greater within um, Scotland at, at points. Sorry, at uh, grassroots level. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot to kind of learn over here with kind of the freedom of play. They can just go play, 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 play. But I think just the way it's coached is potentially it's a different problem because over here everyone's kind of played rugby, so they coach how they've played. But over there, back um, back in Scotland, a lot of people haven't played but coach, so therefore have to learn how to coach. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a catch twenty two. You got guys with lots of experience but don't know how to coach, but you have got guys with no experience but don't know how to coach. So it's a bit. Bit of an odd kind of mix, but no, I think it's got a lot of good things right over here. I think it's still quite um, open and free flowing, especially at youth level. Just kind of throw the ball around. I've coached another 14, under 15 team here, and they just play heads up rugby and just kind of kick it around, throw it around, see what happens. So, um, so there's some pretty talented athletes over here at some of the schools. And have you seen much of the schoolboy rugby? Yeah, yeah, well, it's televised over here in the first 15 rugby, so. I guess played around quite a bit and they're pretty professional setups and schoolboy stuff. But um, yeah, I've seen a bit of it. Um, kind of when it's on, off, on the TV, but don't watch too much of it, to be honest. And the names of players at schoolboy, there'll be kids that are already having their finger pointed at them. They're going to be an all black. They're going to be an all black. How do yeah. you think they cope with that kind of pressure in somewhere like New Zealand where that's the ultimate? Um. Yeah, I think there's a bit of an issue at New Zealand rugby at the moment. It's a lot of kids come out of high school and um, slightly disillusioned, so come out of these like pretty professional programs. I'm not going to name schools actually. Um, so they come out of schools and then they come to a club and it's like, yo, train Tuesday, Thursday, play Saturday, we'll give you a job maybe, and that's it. So they come out of disillusioned, kind of lose, lose trust in it. Um, and the ones that do come through will join the academy and spend a couple years at the academy. And, since the pro world in New Zealand is even tighter than Scotland, I'd say, uh, there's probably fewer spots than just kind of fall away from the sport. Um, so some come out, his club rugby, and absolutely love it for the right reasons, and some come out, have a taste of it, and that. it's not for me, kind of move away from the sport, which is a bit of a shame, but um, I think I've experienced some within the Waikato environment that will go very far with the rugby, and I've just come out of school, and they are unbelievably professional, um, and good humans inside of it as well, which I reckon they'll go real far from and are always constantly learning, even from, from someone from Scotland has no idea about rugby. So um, um, generally generally very humble blokes as well. I'm yet to meet very few um, twats over here. So, yeah. And do you do you realise your position 
in that you've spoken a lot about watching other people and their behaviors and their learning. Do you realize that's happening? People looking at your direction? Um, yeah, yeah, at times. I think even then, it's like leadership's still like a learning thing, but you always muck up leadership. So I think the other month, I think we ran a Bronco and then our trainer then said we're running another Bronco straight after it. So I kind of blew up a bit at him. And I thought I was being really quiet. Um, my little Sapatino slash moan in the background. I thought it's been really quiet to him, um, saying there's a load of nonsense. And then got called in the coach's office the next morning and said, um, Did you say anything about the Bronco? I said, Yeah, said it to him. He says, Yeah, because we could have heard it. We could hear it over the 22, 25 meters away. It says the dead balls are ah, probably not the best look. He goes, Nah, probably not. So even then, I think I like to think I'm doing a good job, but still, I learn, learn skill. You still make mistakes and errors because we're all human at the end of the day. So um, yeah, I understand kind of my role within the team, and that is a bit of leadership at the moment. So yeah, kind of think about how I'm projecting myself at times and keeping my mouth shut when I need to and speaking when I need to. So but it's all learned. I think we've got quite a young leadership group this year at Waikato. We've got Aidan Johnson and Fletcher Smith as co-captains. They're both young, so they'll both make mistakes, but they've got a group around them that will support them, and they're doing a great job at the moment. Fantastic job, and um, not my much to fault at the moment, to be honest, but. Um, it's still a learned skill. They still have to practice it and do it to get better at it. So, yeah. And I love that. I love that. It's a learned skill. There are too many people who think being a leader is just something that you're born to do. So I love hearing you say things like that. So you, you make it sound like you talked yourself into the Waikato development squad, which I think you're being, again, very humble. You get into the development squad. What? What was the next motivation? Um, well, I think can come back to like that nagging bit. I think uh, even when I was coming back from Australia or when I was at school, I wasn't getting support from the SRU for strength and conditioning. So again, CP was academy manager at the time. I just kept emailing him pretty much every week. It was like that scene from um, what's that scene? What's what's that film again? Um, one where he escapes the prison, Shawshank Redemption, when he's <laughs> The letters every week. I can see you got about 600, 600 emails from me and about six hundred pokes in the chest. Oh, can I get some gym support, please? We always get better at this. We're not helping me, so I kept like poking him and sending emails. And eventually, said, "All right, fine, you can go to the gym." So finally, got added to the gym program. I was never there because I was up at school, so I got a couple of weeks there and gymmed up at school. And then uh, even in Australia, or oh, on my way back, Bruce Frame was academy manager at this point. So again, started sending him emails every week. Um, and things just to check in, so mid Cali 20s after about 400 emails. And then even here, I kind of nagged my coach to nag my caddo to get involved with development. So kind of kept poking chests until I got involved. And then from there, it was just a case of um, we trained against the uh, NPC guys or the guys that were their extended squad or high performance guys. Um, and again, they'd been as a squad kind of all year. So I kind of thought, right, I'll just go full hammer and tongs against them at training and see what happens. So I did. And then, um, yeah, kind of got promoted two weeks, a week later. So, um, yeah, just kind of went at it and kind of showed they were wrong not to select me in the first place. So, yeah. You've obviously got massive belief in yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, nah. Um, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think I've got. I think I've got belief in myself to some regard in terms of I believe I'm a competent rugby player. Do I believe I'm an amazing rugby player? No, but I believe I'm, I can hold my ground and I know what my strengths are and 
I know what my weaknesses are and what I need to develop. So I think I kind of back myself to kind of become better in a way. And um, I think rugby is a sport where you, it's a bit like boxing. You've got to have a bit of a an ego about you to kind of get on a pitch and kind of run straight out the opposite number and do nonsense like that. So I think I am confident in myself, but I'm not overly confident. And I know I'm not anyone near the finished article yet and still got a lot to work on and kind of go from there even off the pitch there's so much more I can learn from other guys around the environment and yeah um, yeah so I, I believe I am confident myself but not overly confident I still don't believe I'm the finished article and I believe I do have bits to work on a lot to work on sorry so um, yeah definitely. So do, do you need to be at the next level because you need to be in the environment for you to get better so if if you stayed in your comfort zone, you're only going to get as good as maybe that situation creates. So I need that next jump up because that's going to stretch me. Or is that not the conscious thought? Yeah, yeah. Um, probably if you said it in a real nice term, like you said there, yes. I think um, for me, there's like, I've still got so much on NBC. I'm still at my death plane. I think there's so much, even like last weekend, I was running around and kind of trying to contain my lungs because it's stupidly fast. And then, but even midway through the game, like, why on earth did I do that? So there's still like heaps, heaps to learn kind of just from playing this level. And NBC certainly stretched you enough to do that. And the calibre of players you're playing against, um, yeah, certainly stretched. I think last game last season, I think I was playing against four All Blacks. I think they had um, TJ Perinara, Arnie Sevilla, Asafa Moa, and then someone else um, on the wing. Anyway, so it's like you've always calibre of players to play against. You're just constantly stretched. Um, so yeah, I think for me, making the next step up would be kind of super. I think it would allow me to stretch. And I had taste of super over here. Did a preseason of the Hurricanes, and that was talk about deep ends. That was like next level deep end. Um, so I was kind of sink or swim, and picked up a lot from there. And I've been lucky enough to involve Chiefs development stuff. And again, that's kind of training against Chiefs full and like the tempo of rugby. Like you have to you to sink or swim. If you if you don't swim, you sink real quick. So you're just gonna have to like learn and force yourself to learn really quick and kind of force yourself to be really uncomfortable. Um, and that's kind of how far you learn the quickest. You're kind of sitting there all comfy and then you don't really learn, but I'm certainly uncomfortable at the moment. Why can't I know there's a lot of kind of competition for spaces, so you have to perform. And, um, yeah, it's just good standard of rugby and good way of playing rugby. So, yeah, you have to learn. It's not something I was kind of brought up playing per se. So, yeah, I'm constantly learning at the moment. Learning How's your attack? Has your attack got better? Definitely has. I think if you didn't attack over here, you'd be dropped. So it's definitely gotten better, I'd say. Um, st- still nowhere near where it should be, but it's definitely developed a fair bit. I think that's kind of the way, especially like the way we want to play rugby is force you to play, force you to pass, force you to find space as opposed to running into brick walls. Um, so, yeah, no, nah, it's certainly exciting rugby to play. Having just watched the Olympics as it's finished, whenever somebody won something, the, the story is told to you and there's very few people who went on that staircase of progress and then it finished at the top with a gold medal. They had to go through difficult times and they had setbacks and injury and all those things that make the story even stronger. You are now uh, where you are in Waikato. You're, you're going for it there's a view probably from here to New Zealand that it's the rugby utopia and everything's easy and everything's bright and shiny and modern. And But you're still working while playing at that ridiculous yeah. level of rugby. Yeah. Do, you, 
do you think people, when you're on the field, do they, do they understand that you've also been putting in a day's work at, that week? I think, I think that's quite a cool thing about NBC is that you've got the combination of guys that come back from Super, which in Waikato is quite a few, and then you've got the, the humble club battlers, and there's a few of us that work throughout the year. Um, so I was building swimming pools and landscaping for the last four or five months. So I was in the blistering sun getting burnt to a crisp, moving like barrels of concrete around the place in the heavy kit and digging holes. And then my other mate, good, really good mates of mine, he was working for a guy called Captain Compost. I'll give him a shout out. So he's working for a guy called Captain Compost, delivering compost around Hamilton, New Zealand. And he's starting to send a white kettle. And you've got guys that will do all sorts. I think you look at um, Carl, oh, I can't pronounce his last name properly, um, Carl Tinefassi, I think it is, that plays for North Harbour. He's an all-black now. Um, year before he played for the Blues, he was a bouncer um, for a club up in North Harbour or in Auckland. So it's like guys all here work normally before they play rugby, and even guys come up through the academy. I think of our prop now, starting for uh, or on the bench normally for Waikato, George Dyer. He's a qualified, well, we'd become a qualified builder. Like they've all worked before and got like kind of. Um, a life behind them before they kind of go pro. There's a few that come out of school, don't get me wrong. It's kind of more and more common to come out of school and go straight into high-performance rugby. But even guys that play in New Zealand 20s are all kind of working men or at studying or whatever. So they're all doing things out with rugby. And I think it's real cool about NPC is guys are all working and normally it's pretty rubbish jobs that allow you to get off for three, four months of the year to go play rugby and then you come back to. So, um, yeah, I think everyone appreciates it over here. I think my boss at Line and Design, um, He's he's done it and he was like, Yeah, 100%. Come work with us for a few months, you'll work hard. But um, if you need time off, just take time off. And they're all normally pretty, very Kiwi about it and pretty relaxed. Those you'll take the mick, they're pretty chilled about it. So, yeah. I, I I love there's so much in there. I love the that phrase of if you want something done, give it to a busy person. I I always admire the people that have lots of balls up in the air, um, a bit like you've described there. And then that NPC level for me has always been probably the most romantic level, a bit like the districts were here that you had international players alongside, you know doctors postmen joiners whatever yeah. captain oh, compost yeah. i just yeah. i love that and the, that mpc level when i was a kid before super rugby came along that was where you saw those all blacks but you also saw guys that should have been all blacks or that ended up coming over here to do something yeah. is there anybody you, you're being coached by roger randall who's a, a massive hero of mine uh you know playing alongside liam messam is there anybody that you've met and you've thought wow um where do i start um <laughs> there's been a lot of people have thought that to be honest i think i'm a bit of a fanboy as well when it comes to rugby so I think um, a guy played played for Howtap as well, Luke Jacobson. Um, he's on the bench last week for the All Blacks. Uh, so uh, good message, with brother Mitch. Um, Luke, he was in my first game I played in New Zealand, and honestly, most terrifying human I've seen play a game. And this team, like Bay Plenty, is not as good as um, Michael when it comes to club rugby, and he just tore through this team. He was coming back from an injury, so there's a go play preseason against his club team, and honestly, he was stepping guys and running 16 years running over them, bending them, and just absolutely smoking bellies. Um, so he's a pretty, like, real nice real nice guy, but he's pretty terrifying. I think every time we're involved in a super environment, there's always like a lot of guys that are under the All Blacks radar that are unbelievable rugby players and, yeah, could definitely go on the next step. And even some of the young fellas come up now, um, 
Sam Penifino, our six last weekend for Waikato. He's 120 clip Tongan playing at six, and oh, he carried a ball the other week in preseason, and it was like a Tongan ball carry of death. Um, carrying Van straight on top of the biggest guy on the pitch, and I, honestly, I wasn't playing, and I was glad I wasn't playing at that point. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of fellas coming up through New Zealand that are very good rugby players and probably getting even more intelligent as they spend more time kind of analysing the game and growing up with it, to be honest. So, yeah, but there's just a whole there's a whole culture around it back here. Even at, I'll walk through Cambridge chatting away, uh, having a coffee, and there'll be some old fella that follows how tap will start talking to me about how tap, and I'll have no idea who he is, but um, they just love it. And I think club rugby, even though it's not as healthy as it used to be, it's still... Um, People love their club and will do anything for the club and will talk to you and they love every aspect about it. And even with NPC, um, always ask how NPC is and that's how a lot of conversations kind of with people go around here if they know you play rugby, um, even just club rugby or fifth division local rugby once a year for your old fellas team, then they'll still ask you how the rugby's going and what you think of the local team and stuff. So always happy open to talking about rugby in some way over here. Yeah, I, I love it. Now, when, whenever I spoke to anyone about you, some of your old folks here that, that knew you in Scotland, and then I was in touch with a couple of people in New Zealand, and the thing that always comes back is that you work hard, that, that you're a grafter, that you always give your all. I don't think that's going to change. Everything you've told us um, just screams that. What's, what's the work on for the rest of this year? What's your target? Uh, what's my target? Target is trying to a pro contract somewhere. So that's my overall arching kind of goal at the moment. It's kind of kind of all the pillars to build up towards that. So like for me, it's kind of become even more abrasive as a back rower. Um, probably try to steal a bit more ball. Um, and again, just get more kind of known as an attacking player and be able to carry and kind of probe that will come on so far this year. So kind of just kind of build those stats up and develop myself in that way and kind of just wait to see what happens really I think you can only play I think it's not I kind of probably changed my mindset about this year probably just enjoy the pregame a bit more I suppose getting real serious and I guess what wonders so far so I just kind of enjoy kind of the moment you're playing in and kind of just enjoy kind of the hard bits and kind of go at it and yeah I've loved the last two games playing wise even though I've been coming off the bench I think come on 30 minutes and just kind of loved kind of loved every second of it it's kind of yeah you just got to enjoy what you're doing if you don't enjoy it then by playing it's a pretty stupid sport to play as well if you're not enjoying it you get battered every week so <laughs> why you play it not for enjoyment is new zealand home uh, no comment <laughs> <laughs> right here here's my test have you yeah. been to the supermarket in bare feet uh i think i did it once okay <laughs> uh, right. i'm not claiming you as a kiwi yet then yeah. when you go to the supermarket in bare feet that's when you become a kiwi yeah, only once. I think I was speaking to a couple of guys that went across to Manchester um, for their 20s year and they were saying that um, they, they walked around to the local pools in bare feet and I think it was kicking out time at a local school and they were getting all sorts of fancy shouted at them because they're walking around the bare feet and called hoes at one point bums. Um, I did say that would have been considered unbelievably weird in the UK. That's where we get you locked up. That's where you get sectioned back home. You saw someone rocking around in bare feet. So, um, yeah. No, um, not that Kiwi yet. Settlement. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. So a, a pro contractor, you you don't strike me as the kind of guy that's actually got, while I ask if Kiwi's home, I can't imagine you would bat an eyelid at jumping to a pro contract somewhere else. Are you happy to travel? 
Yeah, happy to travel. I think I'd probably turn down some of Romania or Russia. Um, I'd probably struck those off the list. As much as I've got a good rugby community, I'll probably stay away from those. But um, yeah, any of the big countries would be pretty open to. So I'm not someone that would say no with an opportunity. So just going to wait to see what comes up and think about whether the option is right for me or not and right for my partner. And just think about, um, yeah, well, that's the right thing for me as a person. That's the right fit. And kind of half it is making sure you're not. Um, I'm a rugby player, but I'm also uh, me as well. So making sure it's the right move all in all for me and my partner as well. She's quite an important part of it these days, believe it or not. <laughs> Another very mature response. Have you been on the phone to Glenn Bryce or Adam Ash in LA? Uh, no, I haven't been, but I've followed the story quite close. There's a lot of Kiwis who are across the MLR, and I think they're definitely living the best life in LA at the moment. So, um, no, it definitely was a cool league to join. I think, especially that Jotini's team, and um, looks a bit different. <laughs> it does look a bit different. Bryce and Ashy are pinching themselves. I think yeah. uh, Hamilton. At the end of the pods, I, I asked people to finish a sentence for me, and I've I've not uh, I've not set you up for this, so I'm catching you cold. So for me, yeah. happiness is egg shaped. But for Hamilton Burr, finish the sentence. Happiness is. Oh. God, you really caught me cold here. No time to think about it. Um, God, I'm not sure. Um, happiness is. Right, we're going with this. I would say happiness is food because we're having a dinner. Um, <laughs> you're, a, you're, you're a growing boy. I'm, I'm pretty sure you need fed, especially if you've got all that work to do and play rugby against some of the best players on the planet. So we'll okay. take that. We'll take yeah. that. Hamilton, I've, I've absolutely loved speaking to you. Thank you so much for, for giving me some time. Uh, I feel like I know you, even though we've we've never met other than this. And <laughs> rep in the how tapu, I should have got my Tarapa shirt on to, to give you a bit of stick. <laughs> but uh, the way things are going at the moment, I, I don't think we've got a lot to chirp at how tapu for. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's better just being like this. Listen, all the very best. I'm really looking forward to, to watching the rest of your journey. And hopefully if I make it there or you make it here, we'll be able to meet up and, and have a coffee or a beer at some point. Definitely a beer. <laughs> good man, Alan. Great to see you. All the best, fella. Well, good. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, an absolute star. A very mature young man. Absolutely love speaking to him and I've got no doubt that he's going to achieve that ambition of becoming a pro rugby player. I'm just interested to see where he ends up. He's in a great part of the world in Waikato. Look after him, New Zealand, if you're listening. And I hope to get to Hautapu at some point very, very soon. If you've enjoyed it, please make sure you tune in to Apple, Spotify or Acast for your podcast. And you can watch us on Facebook and YouTube. And please leave us a comment, leave us a review, tell your friends. And remember, be nice. My name is Bruce Aitchison and my happiness is egg-shaped. And I look forward to hearing from you all very, very soon. All the best and stay safe. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And, and our happiness, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Loves a circle with no end. No, let's talk about this last night. And he said, happiness is egg-shaped. Right, um, happiness is a egg-shaped. Right, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Loves a circle with no end. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.